water ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're I'm ready. Uh, prepped up Let's for the it. episode. Let's do, Let's do it. I'm not going to work on anything. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Hello, RP people. Welcome back to another episode of Roleplaying Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in again. Joining me, as always, we got Scott and Finder. Say hello, guys. Hey. Everybody be cool. It's just a normal day. It's a normal day. <laughs> it's a normal day. Uh, on this episode, we are talking about prep. Now, we have actually somewhat prepped for this episode because we tried to do this without any prep, and we realized that you need prep in order to talk about prep. <laughs> So in saying that, it was an hour of like, yeah, none of us really prep anything. (laughs) (laughs) That one maybe will reach the light of day with enough requests, but uh, (laughs) it's like a bloopers reel. Yeah. Oh my god. (laughs) That's something I could do. do. (laughs) Uh, But anyways. So for this episode, we're going to go away from our normal thing of just starting with the topic and just starting with the conversation with a few questions. And instead, we're going to go by bit by bit. So this is actually informative uh, instead of our usual content. (laughs) (laughs) So to start it off, I figured let's start with the seed of adventure. So even before the campaign, you got friend you got your friend signed into it everything like that how for you does an adventure idea start rich uh that that really depends on what grabs my interest or the gm's interest so like with the groups that i play in i tend to run sci-fi um bob will tend to run deadlands not exclusively but he, he's like the Deadlands guy. I'm the, more the sci-fi guy. Ron is more the uh, fantasy guy. But there are things in life that may inspire me. So like the, the one setting I've been working on, um, Forlorn Sea, is totally from going to a science museum and having a display on Africa and the Middle East and all that sort of stuff. And that just kind of fascinated me and drew me into coming up with the forlorn sea setting that I ran for my kids. So that's where, that's where that's for me. Inspiration comes from everywhere. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's the thing is once we do characters. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll do a genre first. I'll pick a genre, have the party, have the table pick a genre. Or I'll give them uh, uh, pitches, to be honest. is how I usually do it. It'll be a cool picture, and like here's a, an elevator pitch for the setting or the idea. And they'll go through and pick one. And once they pick that, I will do like – we'll do a session zero uh, together because I prefer that. Normally, it's always a session zero together. And then uh, in between the session zero and – the first session, I'm also always consuming the media of the genre. So, like, if I were going to run Deadlands, um, I started watching Deadwood again. And then uh, Gallo Walkers and anything I get my hands on that kind of went that route. Um, and then we'll make the characters. And then for the rest of the prep is really it's – I get an idea of I, – I, I still believe that whenever someone makes a character, they're telling you how they want to play a game and what they want to play the game doing. You know, because if you're shooting as high, then I know you want to do a lot of shooting. If you're fighting as high, you either want to do a lot of fighting or you're trying to defend yourself. And so you can you will look at the character. I need to look at the rest of the skills around um, some of those. Plus the Savage Worlds. 
other games I don't. Same, same, same difference. Um, and then that's it for like the initial prep. Yeah, I really just get going that way and start laying out. Um, I prepare like a little breadcrumbs of like, here's where I want to start. And then here's uh, three likely directions that they might go from this. And, but that's it. I, there's none, they're not detailed out whatsoever. I don't even have statistics for 99% of what I do, unless it's on VTTs. And then you, you have to over prepare on a VTT. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. And we'll get to that here in a minute. Cause I, yeah. I'll, we'll talk about my Coriolis game. Yeah. There you go. Santa. So when I'm thinking about a campaign, um, I don't, I don't really base it off of like a genre, as weird as that sounds. I have usually like a small idea, and I usually kind of expand from there as kind of idea goes. And by the time I have kind of like a solid idea, then I'll start, you know, asking around to see. Like for instance, my Dungeon World game, I kind of just started off with. I kind of want to run this system, but I don't know too much about it. And then I started kind of expanding from there to the point where I actually have kind of a living space. And I even, it sounds dumb, but I come up with names that I like to apply to places and, or apply to places. And those will kind of give me ideas on how to build it. Or I'll think of like a very specific kind of like in my mind, I'll think of a vision or not a vision, but like how I think it would look. And then I'll kind of start building based off of that. Um, I, 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 it's hard to really explain because as, as weird as this sounds ever since I was younger, in order to help myself fall asleep, I've always started building worlds in my head where I start off with like a foundation and then I start building out. And then I go to like the government and the structure of the city and I keep on spreading it out until eventually I just kind of fall asleep while doing it. Um, and I've kind of almost taken that and turned it into how I come up with ideas for games. So that's cool. Names are, names are powerful, right? Words mean something. And even if you're using the game world, even a made up language, you're still what usually Mm. you're going to define those terms, right? Like rich with his, his, uh, 4C setting, he still defined all those words. And then for you too, Santa, that's interesting. You are a bottom up. So there's two types of, of, of world design there's the bottom up approach where you start with this is my house and then here's the village and here's everything else around it and then there's the people like me i don't normally do that i go this is the cosmos and then i funnel down into where the starting point will be and i think i'm probably in the middle of there because i have seeds of ideas that are more narrowly focused or like at the bottom yeah but before i go out i will go really high and then come back down as well so like with the grim dark so here's the other thing from an inspiration perspective is you can find inspiration in like like you were saying scott you look at movies and you consume media of a genre that you're going to be running but you can find it in other things like i was working on when we were working on um project x <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh there, there were some things in there that i'm like that's really cool project x may need to pivot and so let me think about some things differently for my fantasy for my grimdark fantasy game that i have to play or that i have to gm here starting in january so i started looking at that and there were things within that other 
saying like, that's cool, but I don't necessarily like the way they did that. So I want to tweak, I want to tweak things a little bit. Yeah. And so that's, that's when we came up with that. And then there was also the, uh, the whole debate. This you, you may want to edit this part out, but there's the whole debate about intrinsic good and intrinsic evil oh, that sure. seems to be the uh, bad or the uh, the the stay away from that sort of thing, right? There's there's no such thing as truly evil races, and I'm like, well, what if there were? What would that would look like? And that's right, yeah. that's when we came up with this idea of you know what. In the grimdark fantasy, the world is the corpses of these gods, and these yeah. gods, their, their essence leaks out and created or spawned different things. So you could have an evil god that spawned a race, and that race is now intrinsically evil yeah, sure. because of where it came from, that sort of thing. So um, just having inspiration, I'm like, what do I want to tweak my nose at? Yeah. Uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes right? Yeah. So... No, I mean that makes a lot of sense. But but that one there is that that that's why I say Scott. That sometimes I think I'm in the middle there because yeah, sure. that one there started cosmologically, then smaller, and it's, I, I bounce back and forth between where I'm going with what I'm designing, design depending on what I want to want to do with a, with a particular adventure. Yeah, sure, I, I I'll think, tell you the secret of uh, top down. Sorry, top down is almost always a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I have done it a lot, and it's almost always a waste. It's like the same differences. Here's my 40-page binder of nonsense that I know no one's going to read, but I wrote it, and when we're playing, I'm going to reference things that you don't know, and that's why I say it's mostly a waste of time. That's why I like how Dungeon World uh, does its lore building, and I prefer that way now, and I've tried to retrain myself to do that. Well, it, it's kind of interesting, Fighter, because uh, I, I think from a bottom-up kind of, uh, you know, for figuring out a seed for an adventure... I feel like it starts with more of a what if scenario than anything else. Cause you even said yourself, well, what if, and I, I think that's a good way of, <laughs> of designing a little bit because in the end of the day, if we don't ask the, what if we're just sort of building what is, you know, mm-hmm. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the next one would be, and I think we've kind of covered this a little bit, but how do you figure out the locations after you figured out the seed, like the seed? I mean, we did talk about that a little bit, but yeah, we, we did. also got to take characters into account a little bit well, because mm. if you get the fish out of water, like Dragonlance, I'm running Shadow of the Dragon Queen, and we're playing in. Uh, oh, reconnected. Um, we're playing in um, Salamnia up near. Um, well, we're in the Slamic Plains, like right in the middle between Palanthus and uh, uh, Calamon. But most of the party aren't Slamnic humans, and they're also not normal for the region. And so it paints a little bit of a difficulty picture. You, you kind of stray away from the threads of believability mm-hmm. uh, when you do that. But, you know, it still works. It's just... You just make the rest of the population. So I don't know. That's that's one consideration I always look at as characters. The, the the thing for me though, a lot of times also is I try not to tie things to a specific location. In Dragonlance, you kind of have to for certain yeah. things. But if you're homebrewing a world, um, I, I will a lot of times say, you know what, this is the adventure. I don't want to railroad people. So wherever they end up going, I'll just maybe tweak 
the location a little bit. So I, I have generic things that I can just drop in that aren't based on specific locations. Now, not always going to work, right? If you've got a war between two nations, you can't <laughs> drop a skirmish in some other nation that's completely unrelated. But um, by and large, a lot of times I, I, I try to leave my locations ambiguous when I'm planning so they can just happen wherever. Yeah, sure. I, I think I'm a little bit different than you guys. And I think it's more because I prefer telling short stories instead of doing like longer campaigns. I like the small and concise. So for me, when I'm planning out an area, I like to almost keep it contained within an area for the story. Like if you look at my Rippers game, it was first in a house and then afterwards it was in, it was in a town. Uh, for my Dungeon World game, it's, you know, of course it's a little bit different, but I have it first in the city, but it's mostly on an island and they have to explore the parts as it expands out. So they're still in contained areas, but it's just slowly growing further. While in my, even my Shivers game, they are solely in a mall. I like to do contained areas because then you can really kind of create the atmosphere of those areas instead of going, um, you know, further. Yeah. And that, that's just me though. And I don't know if that's right. I don't think it's well, wrong, but it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but never do sci-fi. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because and, with sci-fi, the whole thing is they're going to want to get on a ship. Yeah. And they're going to want to go someplace. And it's kind yeah. of funny that you mentioned that because whenever I've thought about doing games that are a lot more expansive, that's when I start to get lost where I'm just like, I don't know what I should do when I know exactly the region that they're in. And even in the dungeon world game, I was struggling a little bit because I knew they were going out of the location that they're starting in. So for me, I had to kind of push myself to get out of my comfort zone in order to best describe the ruins or the world that they're currently in at that moment. So it's something I got to learn to do, but you know, everything's a learning experience. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just keep taking a look at dungeon world's fronts and that will help you out. And then if you can pick up, uh, it's another dungeon world supplement called perilous, perilous wilds or the perilous wilderness. One of the two, I don't remember. Um, that book is, amazing for planning out helping you not really plan it's just figuring little things out like that and you can even uh well we'll talk about that offline but those are two great ways of really plotting some stuff out um as far as getting a general idea because the fronts will keep you reminding the fronts can also almost act like a timer clock of like hey for here's my day timer okay for say it starts on a d2 on a 20 Every day I travel, I'm rolling yeah. this timer down and I have events that are going to happen. So the party is OFO, right? So for uh, off fucking off, this shit's still going to happen. <laughs> so if you're busy berating the king about his injustices, the zombie horde is still coming, right? The orcs are still being born from the dead god's corpse and they're going to murder and maraud across the land. Um, and so little fun things like that help really keep people in check. Because I was going to say, when you design to a specific location, you do somewhat uh, limit the scope. No matter what, 
you corral everyone because the worst mm-hmm. thing you can do to players who don't really give a shit about how much prep you've done is say, okay, you're in a village and here's the thing that happens. They're like, okay, cool. Well, we're going to go check out the scary forest you mentioned in the beginning. And it's just like, well, that's not what the fucking adventure is. But now yeah. you got to, you know, now you got some decisions to make and you can go on the fly. Um, yeah. That's where my Lucy Goosey style plays <laughs> plays very well. Well, fortunately, but some people get locked up. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say for, you were talking first, so technically it's me interrupting. But um, good. I actually planned for events in the forest in case they went out. Just because <laughs> it was like, this is still the region. I didn't know. I didn't care where exactly yeah, yeah, they yeah, were, yeah. were going to go into. But because yeah. I knew that was a possibility, I was like, okay, these are some of the scenarios that can happen when they're in the forest. These are some of the scenarios right. so- that can happen when they go here. Yeah, so let me just because I said I usually do three locations. So if a, if the, the the shit happens and you're like, well, there's a scary keep, there is a haunted mansion, and there is a scary forest, I will have at least an idea what. But then there's like, well, what's that thing you mentioned? Oh, well, there's um, I don't know. There's this uh, uh, a, a, you're surrounded by a swamp to the south, a couple miles. Oh, obviously the swamp is the choice, but how is the swamp a choice? It's, it's on the map, you know, things like that. Sometimes will keep me like, oh, okay. Okay. The good news is you just shift what was going to happen in the forest to the swamp now. So that's an interesting (laughs) idea. And I don't know if it's a talk now or or talk later. It's called the quantum ogre theory. And I don't know if you guys have heard it or if the listeners have heard it. Is it like Schrodinger's cat? Kind of. So the The, the ogre is there, but we don't know where the ogre is until we open the box. That's the problem, right? So you planned a dungeon, right? And say you've got a left-hand path and a right-hand path. Your GM planning is put the ogre in the in the room to the left, but the players aren't going to that room. They're going to the room to the right, or they can't get in the room to the left. So do you move the ogre to have the encounter anyway? To me, I, I think that depends on a couple of things, right? What's the night been like so far? Have you already had an enjoyable combat that the players can feel good about? If you, Especially if you have uh, players who love combat. If, if they've not had an enjoyable combat, then yeah, shift the ogre over, let them have their fight. If they've had a great fight, I don't necessarily feel compelled to shift the ogre over. There, there are times when I've done both uh, or, or like taken either path. So yeah, sure. Oh, well, Santa was shaking his head. It looked like I can't wait. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I was agreeing. I was just, um, I, here it goes. I like it. We're, no, 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 no. Sounds like remind me never, never play a game that Finder's running. <laughs> no, no, I'm totally fine with what he said. I was just thinking, it's like this sounds like in-game talk, not prep. We're supposed to stay on target, guys. <laughs> uh, well, but it is. It, this is part of prep. the prep during. Yeah. Like, there's also it, during a session out. prep. You know, like yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, that's I mean, fair for everyone. But yeah, I do have to do in during in session prep because it's like oh shit i forgot something or oh shit they took a turn that i didn't expect so but yeah we can put a pin in that um because i think it it warrants a good an interesting conversation because there are people who literally flip the fuck out (laughs) literally flip the fuck out i will show you their their social media posts of them literally losing their minds that's hilarious (laughs) players and gms it's amazing anyway so yeah so Oh, and the other thing that I will mention before we move on from locations, because mm-hmm. it came up on Facebook group today about <laughs> is there a book about is there a book about where all these different one shots take place? Because I've got a, I've got players. They're going to text. They're going here, and I've, they're running. All, 
you know what? Here's what I've done with, with Coriolis. I, I know ultimately what I want my players to do if they don't have anything themselves that they want to do. And so I've looked at all the different adventures that I'm interested in potentially running. Yeah. I've noted where they are. Yep. And that way, if they're in one of those areas, I can tweak things to get them to that adventure plot. But that's not possible without a book. <laughs> what did you do to do that? How would you have put different locations like star A and star B and little surrounding notes around that without some kind of book to do it for you? I don't understand. That is a great question. I am so glad you asked, Scott. I use OneNote. I could oh yeah, I love OneNote. That post was irritating as shit. I don't know. Just the the sheer fucking laziness of it. Well, well, first off, first off, I also don't know if you're even a fucking American or have given been out of your bullshit state because you don't just simply go from oh I'm in Texas one day and Montana the next. Bitch, you've never been to the fucking Southwest, and you obviously don't know how big Texas is, let alone crossing from Texas to Montana yeah. in two days' time. Let me tell you what's not happening, even by car. <laughs> Jesus Christ, people. Fucking I, I kind of um so now I will say it could happen by car. It could happen by car, but you're not stopping anywhere. I, mean, <laughs> I, went, I, I went from Kentucky to Arizona in one day, and it took literally twenty six hours of straight driving. So oh my god. It can happen. It's just not fun. And not realistic if yeah. you're in the old west when you're on animals that have to rest. Right, your horse ain't doing 85 to 90 miles an hour <laughs> exactly. for 26 hours. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, well, it's, it's kind of funny. Me off this topic. It's kind of funny because uh, I, one of my friends, uh, he had a situation kind of like where you're talking about people don't understand how far things are, and he 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 uh, he's uh, originally from the Philippines, and he had family coming over here just to come visit. And so when he was talking with them, it's like, oh, what do you want to do? And they're like, oh, you know, you're thinking of, uh, you know, first stopping off in Winnipeg and then maybe going down, uh, maybe driving down for a day to Newfoundland and then maybe going to Toronto. <laughs> and and he's just like and he's just sitting there and he's like, and it's because like for them, you know, a yeah, lot of locations, yeah, it yeah. is only a day drive. And it's hard to really 100%. think about the size that is yeah. North America or Canada or the U.S. And it, it's very true. Yeah. It's like. When you oh, live in a smaller region, and especially I, I've heard this yeah. actually is very common with uh, with people who are European also, because they don't realize for most like for North America, you ain't go you ain't driving on a day trip to go somewhere else. For them, it's like they can go right. on a they can go on a train and go from they can go out for a weekend to Italy if they live it live in Europe. Like that's something that's actually yeah. potentially possible. Well, here it's like. Yeah. I, I can go for a day trip to the U S and drive maybe 30 minutes past the border. Yeah. But that's still an entire day. And <laughs> yeah. I'm only going to spend a couple hours there, but yeah. Well, and you know, even in the States, that was something that was interesting for me is I grew up in Arizona, which is not the largest state, but it's not small. It's big. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's good. I mean, I can drive three hours in either direction and never leave the state when I'm leaving Phoenix. Yeah. Hmm. And when I moved to New Jersey, I was talking with my friends from New Jersey. I'm like, you know what? This is exciting because everything is so close. They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, Nothing's yeah. close. And they were yeah. thinking like grocery stores and movie theaters where you have to go maybe two or three towns over to get to a movie theater or yeah. Yeah. You're, you're driving further distances for a lot of your common day things. I'm like, dude, four hours and I'm in DC, six yeah. hours and I'm at Niagara Falls. What, what are you talking about? Nothing's close. I'm like, 
that's awesome. I yeah. could be six hours and never leave Arizona. Yeah, it really is a weird, weird perspective on on humanity. It's amazing. Well, yeah. Hell, even like with uh, in the states, or like I hear about like you know traffic time in the states to get to work, where oh, they're yeah. leaving, and it takes like three hours to get to their job, and it takes like another three hours to yeah. get back. And here I am, I'm complaining because my my drive took five extra minutes, so it took twenty five minutes for me to drive to work because of construction, and I complain about that. That's that's it's, absolutely yeah, nothing. Man. But I don't have that perspective of three hours driving to work is normal. No, I would literally just decide i am never working <laughs> we should let's put a pin in this and we'll call the episode touch grass and we'll talk about travel and shit in a, like, it'll be our, it'll be our travel do, channel we'll episode do, yes we'll do an episode about about nerds in the outdoors i'm down for that so part four actually kind of goes with what we're or this the next part was something that we kind of were just touching on with the quantum ogre and that is yeah baddies how do you decide uh your pretty much your big baddie of the session or of the campaign how do you design that you know, Rich has <laughs> uh, <I> know. <laughs> on a whim <laughs> i'm not gonna lie sometimes i'll see how mad they get at a certain maybe uh npc there that gets yeah. away or whatever and be like oh, that'd be a great bad guy we'll just time into the plot somehow yeah. even deeper um, or yeah, just if you need a mysterious character, right? This over arc, I don't know, but yeah, I don't, um, I don't, uh, I don't really put that one. Well, and to give you, I mean, to, to, uh, to elaborate a little bit, especially in the Coriolis game, since that's one of the more recent things that I'm doing at the moment, one of the biggest baddies that they have right now had to be written on the spot because they decided, you know what? So-and-so is not here. We're going to go do this thing. And I'm like, oh, crap. And now I've got to come up with a reason for them to be interested in this new thing. And it's like, okay, well, you they're like, we're going to sneak into the tunnels. We're like, okay. So they're like crawling through air vents and trying to go get some information. And they they see this bad person, uh, the new quote-unquote baddie. And it became its own story arc just because they decided to go do something I hadn't prepped for. Hmm. It's like, oh, crap. Yeah. And it's been fun. I mean, it's a, it's a good it's a good villain, and they're excited to to finally deal with the villain. So nice. What about you, Scott? Yeah. Or do you want me to go first? I, I, yeah, or go Scott ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you weren't ready. If you're not ready, I mean, no, 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 no. I, I was going to say like I I tend to pick my monsters um, pretty easily. I'll just kind of look and see what suits the best or what kind of jumps out at me. As for picking big baddies, I'm kind of like you guys, uh, where I don't really pick a baddie, and instead I kind of listen to what the players think. Uh, while also, if they think something's super obvious, it, it's more fun to try and think of uh, some misdirections or some red herrings just to throw them off the scent. I have more fun actually trying to make them more confused and theorize more than trying to think of oh this guy is the big manipulative evil monster ha, ha, ha. yeah like in my like even my rippers game i didn't know who the werewolf was it was only after uh after the session that i was like oh you know what this would actually be interesting and it was just because i just let the characters kind of or the npcs kind of go which that we'll talk about npcs in a second but anyways scott yeah I mean, it just sometimes it makes sense when you have to, I don't, and maybe I know, I know there are people who know everything. A lot of people who run modules, 
you have to kind of know the back bads. You got to know what's going on. Um, you don't got to do them. I, I wouldn't suggest, I, I never advise you doing the modules verbatim. And I know there's, there's this desire because modules, written modules, especially classic modules are part of the zeitgeist of gaming, right? So if I tell you, Rich, that, hey, we, uh, we decided not to wake up the paladin in, in uh, the pyramid in the Pharaoh's area, right? You know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? And so we have that shared experience and it's like this secondhand talk where it's like, oh, okay, we know what happened. And like, well, I, well, this is what we did. And I get there's a desire to sort of do that by rote, but you, I always advise don't, you don't have to do modules as they're written. Sometimes they're, they weren't written by the best people. Um, so there's that, but I will do like every once in a while, I'm really trying to get better about the fronts because I think Dungeon World fronts help me kind of concentrate. They give me my ability to do my, you know, my super extroverted maniacal behavior, but I can always look down and see this little chart of like, okay, well, this is the thing. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. I'm like, oh yeah, I got to include that shit. Um, so that helps. But like when I did the one about the evil druid, well, she wasn't evil. I mean, they never, she was, she wasn't true evil. She just was broken and being broken meant she was willing to do almost anything to become unbroken. Um, but, and I knew I wanted that, but for me, I guess the big thing I do is I don't, this is going to sound real bad. I don't stat my villains. I don't, and it's not to cheat. (laughs) But I don't stat my villains because I don't give a shit, especially because I run Savage Worlds or even Dungeon World. And I need I need to be able to present someone who can create a fun and amazing boss mm-hmm. battle. And if I've planned for that, that's never going to work out well. It's going to rely on too much stuff. And I don't do anything like, well, I have dispel auras and I throw dispel orbs all over the place. I don't do stuff like that, but I'd be like, oh, okay, no, I need this to, you know, this skill makes more sense based on what's happening. But yeah, I guess, I don't know. It feels like, I don't know, am I cheating? I don't feel like I'm cheating because I don't do it to win. <laughs> I want to challenge the characters and the players uh, with the same idea. You know, I want the players to have to figure shit out about the bad guys and then the characters to overcome that because the players are now clever and they realize that all the answers are on their sheets. You know, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense whatsoever. Maybe I do cheat. Shit. Well, I don't I don't think it's I don't, I, I don't know that I consider it cheating. No. Yeah. I agree. Savage Rule tells you to build your characters, build your bad your bad guys however you want. Yeah, yeah that's like and my favorite part. So I'm like <laughs> I think... but, but I mean I do the same thing. Although I will I will prep my bad guys, my my bad guy NPCs right before the game that way i've got some stuff on the character sheet because i I play 100 percent vtt if i wasn't playing vtt i probably wouldn't even do that because it's quick and easy to just pick up dice but i I like being able to roll i like seeing the roll templates i like having the name there um that way you know who's who uh so i will put together a character sheet which does require that i put things in however i have yet to ever put down a full list of spells or even powerpoints i think also because of the system that you use, it is doable. I think if it was D and D, it would be kind of a little bit cheating because it is based on pretty much hit points, you know, all that kind of, yeah, all the crap. Um, to put it lightly, uh, while with Savage Worlds, you can don't really need to have those things. Like you can have an idea. Like you could be like, oh, that has he has like D D eight strength, blah blah blah. But you don't really need to clear cut everything for it to still work. 
Yeah, but, no. Because no. what makes sense in this situation, right? If it's an Emmy mage, they're probably going to have an eight or a ten smarts, right? To be a good mage. Or if they're a super super evil villain, I might give them a D twelve. Be like, congratulations, you're facing someone who's obviously much smarter than your characters, and here's why they're the villain. But yeah, you're not wrong. So rich, I do the same thing. I, I'll I didn't have your guys's final villains until we were ready to play last week when Forge fucked us. Um, <laughs> partially because I forgot, and then partially because I was like, oh, and then you make I had to make some real interesting decisions, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Based on what I had read, I'm like, that would be boring as shit. Let's try yeah. a couple of different combinations to really challenge them. But yeah. Yeah, D&D, I couldn't, like we were talking about, I couldn't imagine, be like, oh, I need a 15th level Archmage villain. Give <laughs> <laughs> the book, yeah, all the work is done for you. <laughs> right? Just, uh, I guess I'm going to find a generator that does random rolls because Sean does the characters <laughs> for me because I ain't doing that shit. Well, dude, it's all in the book. If you don't use, if you don't use the book, people will get mad. Well, that is true in a lot of cases. Yeah, in D&D, that That's is why legitimately true. Well, yeah, because you expect uh, there's a, a fairness, right? And games like D&D are built on the built on the like 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 Rich said, Boredom. Savage Worlds specifically tells you in the book you do not have to worry about your do not build your villains like you build a player character. Yeah, you are not to do that. Whereas D and D, there is this—it's not even just D and would say D twenty in general. There's this feeling of you have to have this equity and fairness across the spectrum, because your players have to be have reasonable rules and it, it has to be, be structured the same way. But yeah, every D twenty G every DM that I've ever seen rolls their dice behind a GM screen. I do, except for me, <laughs> I cannot stand that shit. Roll them in but, the but open. I mean, they they want they want that screen so they can cheat. Yes, 100%. for their villains or for their characters, because they, they want to build a they want to build an interesting game as well. Yes, they just but do that's it. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. They, they cheat by rolling behind the screen. We cheat yeah. because we build our characters in the moment. Yeah. Oh, that's, so, a good, that's a good, maybe another good job. That's actually, I think, I think uh, I'm, I'm writing down on the baddies. Uh, wow, we're coming up with good episodes on this one. It is cheating. This is interesting because the the fudging dice rolls is. Still a heated argument, and I oh, still I even thought of the title. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I'll write it down. But all right. Now I, I will also second what you said, though, Scott. Is I don't think I've ever run a module as it's written that I will change elements of it. The way you are changing um, the Sunless Citadel, yeah, yeah. is awesome. No, it, thank it's, you. It's a, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And having run that adventure, it's like I kind of know what's going to happen in certain areas or I know yeah. what the what the encounter looks like. But the twists that you've introduced have been entertaining and I've had I've had a lot of fun. And this next scene, I have been thinking now for two weeks of <laughs> what I need my character to do. Yeah. And unfortunately, he's not going first. <laughs> so, <laughs> shit, I should check that. Do we still have? Uh, the, do I, I think the? Uh, oh man, I think it's still up. <laughs> I think we left. It should. It's like I, I know that the Kender's gone because he ran back. Yes. I know that the knight ran up. Um, yeah. and then I can't remember who goes next. But yeah, I'm like, man, I wish I could go because there's somebody in there that I, I totally want to interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing of knowing kind of the yeah, well, you said some of what's coming and uh, but yeah, I'm hoping I put enough changes in there like the deep well, Dragonlance lore. Yeah, you know, 
is definitely uh, and, and for you it's not even necessarily anything that i remember from that specific encounter or that specific room mm-hmm. it, it's more around the way you described people when they were listening at the doors i'm oh. like oh crap there's there's <laughs> there's somebody that you guys want me to deal with very quickly because otherwise <laughs> your crap is going to get messed up uh, pretty badly i'm looking forward to this next wednesday it's like i'm going I, I, my, my whole thought is Crap, is there going to be a Havoc spell coming my way now since I use that so much? (laughs) (laughs) Cannot cannot wait for Wednesday. (laughs) All right. So the next one. Sorry. No, 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 no. We're totally on topic. We're actually ahead of schedule, technically. Uh, The next one would be NPCs. How do you guys figure out your NPCs for the game? D6 across the board, maybe a D8 if they're good at something. Yeah. <laughs> D4 if they're weak at something. I mean, Savage World makes it real easy. Yeah. To me, this is like, I do the, I do my NPCs the same way I do my baddies because mm-hmm. my, NPCs are, my, my NPCs are typically my baddies, not always. I guess we need to clarify that there are opposing NPCs and friendly yeah. NPCs. Yeah. Um, and so for the friendly NPCs, in Coriolis, most of the time it's on the fly because the crew has a a group talent called a friend in every port and that basically allows them to find a contact in whatever location they're in and they can use it once per session um in their location and so they're they've pulled that thing at least four or five times now in the course of the game that we've been playing and just this last game they're like man we really want to hack this thing but um we're not there we need somebody that can be there and ethan says hey we have a friend in every port (laughs) so so we we roll with it and a lot of times you you just use a random name generator (laughs) and you figure out what that person needs to be good at and they're good at that thing and i've not i haven't created stats for them other than say okay roll this many dice for their hacking skill yep yeah 100 (laughs) percent nice um, but name generators are, are your friend with NPCs, okay. or at least are my friend. I, yes. I've definitely used some name generators. Uh, I usually come up with a name with uh, usually what their job currently is, and then two personality traits. If if I feel like nice. they're going to be around the character a lot, and then if the people like the character, I tend to just you know add on to it as it goes, while keeping notes, just so I'm just like okay. Now that this guy is more of a figure, you know, I he has this, 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 which has been described previously or, you know, kind of came up. Like I had one character who uh, kind of became the town gossip and it wasn't because I planned it. It was just because <laughs> they needed some information. And when they asked like, oh, who could we talk to about this? And like they're talking to the bartender. And I was just like, I looked at the list of my names. I was like, oh, that would be blah, blah, blah. Uh she'll talk you ear off everything. And it just happened to be that the character I was looking at was the one who was also kind of like uh, the church going lady. And I was like, this just oh. works out perfectly because it's, 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 it's kind of like a stereo stereotype. And I kind of yep. enjoy that stereotype because it's, it's so cliche, but at the same time, uh, anyone who's ever gone to church, there's always that group of older ladies who seem to just need to know everyone's business. So it worked. Then I also made the character old just because it made sense with the, you know, the church going thing. Nice. Yeah. What are you holding? Now, I, I'm holding my Coriolis oh. games or game master screen. 
because right in the center panel, they have an NPC generator and it uses a D66. Nice. And it's got a first name, last name, a profession, characteristics, and activity that you can generate just for that NPC. Outstanding. So in case everyone's not tracking, a D66 is you roll two six-siders, and one is going to give you a six down this way, and one will give you a six across this way, and you cross-reference things. Yeah. Or you can roll two D6s, and it'll be a one and a five is a 15, right? And that's how some of the charts, there's two ways of them being broken up. I don't know which way they do it. This is, you'll generate like, Basically, if you're doing it on a VTT, it's yeah. a D six times ten plus D six. Oh wow! Yeah. So you'll always get like an eleven through yeah. sixteen, yeah, yeah. twenty one through yeah. twenty six, etc. So, nice. yeah, Sweet. one of your sixes is the tens die. Yeah, yeah. The uh, that's a that's a very common OSR narrative style generating system, and it yeah. works really well because you have a lot of you have a lot more options than you think you do doing that. Because yeah. oh, you know what. An 11, a 12, a 13, a 14, a 15, a 16, and then, you know, a 22, a 21, a 23. So it's a lot of fun that way. Yeah. Um, it, makes it, make, it gives you enough charts to do a lot of shit with. Yep. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, was just, I was trying to think about the – so the one thing I'm, I'm cognizant of with you know, the NPC, especially friendly NPCs since you mentioned that, is that I never want them to outshine the PCs. Unless, let's say it's a professor who knows a lot about like the uh, some deep dragon lore in Eberron that you really need and you rely on it a little bit here and there and she's really smart and then you just take him right the fuck away. <laughs> that doesn't well, sound familiar. <laughs> that doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> Fuck all you guys. You, you know the funny crying, thing about that, crying. though? You can't even see. Oh, what happened with my camera? I didn't cry. It wasn't special. Not at all. I lost electricity. Oh, okay, I'm back. You know, the funny thing is <laughs> those NPCs, though, that you can do that with don't even have to be NPCs per se. In my Desert of Desolation, there's a random events table that happens when they're out in the wilderness. When they're, when they're trekking through the desert, there are things that happen. And there are day events and there are night events. One of the events was a random camel. And my kids loved that camel. They ended up like capturing that camel and it became one of their pack animals. And they named it Samuel the Camuel. I love it. I love it. And half half of the party thought Samuel was a spy for somebody. Sure. And the the other half said, no, it's just Samuel. And then when they ended up having to leave Samuel... Um, there was like, oh no, be safe, Sam, no. <laughs> as, as they tried to, to fight the big bad guy. But it was, it was just funny how much they latched onto just that one random encounter that became its own P- NPC, um, in its own right. It, yeah, sure. it was its own character. So, yeah, absolutely. Hell, in the neon blood game I ran, they fell in love with their 20, 2035 waffle house that they always <laughs> gathered at. That was their gathering spot. It wasn't a bar or anything. They would go to a Waffle House. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. But they couldn't stop going to the Waffle House. <laughs> it was like, this is insanity. These are professional murderers. <laughs> well, it's like that scene from Pulp Fiction, right? 100%, right? Yeah. <laughs> Same conversations, too. Almost verbatim. It was amazing. That's uh, hilarious. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, and you know what? Before we leave this, though, there is one thing that I need to take a step back to inspiration 
And that is, I have often used adventure generators. Hmm. Like there's, there's a great one on drive through RPG that I've used that follows the screenplay format. It's got like five or six tables that you roll on to generate this for this. And they encounter this while I'm dealing with this problem. Um, I've got decks of cards that I will sometimes use. Um, And they're a lot of fun. One of my most memorable Lankmar adventures came from an, from, a random generator like that. Yeah, from the nice. from the Lockmar book or yeah. No, no, oh. it was it was from that one from Drive Through RPG. Oh wow. Uh that I just I rolled randomly on a couple of things I'm like, okay, this is what they're doing. If you remember what it's and called. Yeah, it, it is uh have to look it I'll, I'll I'll get it for you, but we we can move on while I find yeah, it. Just curious. Because there are people who have a hard time with this stuff, right? Especially creating adventures yeah. or venture ideas. Yeah. yeah. But it's from like Adamantium or something like that is the oh. publisher. Nice. But uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Nice. Well, I think for starting with the, you know, the seat of the adventure and going through, we've kind of covered a lot of the basis for designing it initially. So let's talk about the T minus. And what I mean by that is the day of prep. So when you've already kind of figured it out, you have most of the ideas what is the first thing you do when you know you have a game that evening? Take a nap. <laughs> it's actually solid advice. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. one? It's supposed to be a long work day. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, actually, I was gonna gonna just say like the day of. Again, I kind of am the same way. I don't like to do anything too strenuous. I've already. I should have already the brunt of it completed. And I find if you just kind of try and cram in, it's almost like when you're studying for uh, a quiz or a test or something like that. If you try and cram last minute, you're going to get burnt out and your brain's just going to turn to mush. Like you're going to be almost less cohesive during the game. At least in my regards. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know what I do. If I'm really tired, I will try to take a, I'll hit a a real quick power nap uh, of like, eight minutes and just basically it's the it's the negative um, buoyancy resting you just put your you cock your legs up on like a chair or whatever as long as your, your legs are elevated and your your back and head are on the ground you face up and set your timer for about eight ten minutes and that'll be one of the best naps you ever have in your entire life um it's a quick recharge Thanks. So I'll try to do that, and that way I'm not out of commission too much. And then uh, I think uh, sometimes I'll look at the the map, especially on the VTT, and be like, okay, try to recall or like, okay, well, here's some likely ways that this may go down, and like, and then that's it. But normally, yeah, it's just, yeah, I might listen to some. I don't know. No, I don't think I did that on the day of. I'm just like ready to go. <laughs> I, I will listen to music. Yeah. Um, some of the things that I may end up doing is like character tokens because I, yeah. like I said, I never prep my characters until yeah. about the day of the adventure. So I'll try to throw together if I've got time, I'll throw together some, some tokens. Um, and, and you mentioned the mapping on the VTT, something to, to th- that I love about VTTs is the GM layer yeah. where I can have notes. So sometimes I may have to go in and make some notes on, you know what? Don't forget this part in this room. Yeah. Or whatever, um, which is a lot easier on VTT than it ever was in person because yep. I've got my map right there and it's front and center of my face. So, but yeah, day of prep, it's not a whole lot of stuff that I do. 
Yeah, and if you are on the VTTs, the notes are really cool because that way you're if you're using cameras, no one ever has to see you look down. <laughs> yeah, there, there is that, but I don't use cameras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what about the one hour before? Do you do anything special, Malvin? Yeah, trying or to, how about, try to how... finish fucking dinner and clean up everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rush. Yeah. Or um, for the final one, um, just because the T minus seems to be going. Well, right. hold on. We 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 should give we should give Scott a moment though, because handouts. I know Scott, especially for oh. in person games. Oh yes, yes. Handouts are a thing for you. Well, oh, I forgot all about those. I do do an do un. Do. I don't know. Everyone seems to like them. I even try to do them on the virtuals, but um, I don't know. It's a. You can do my virtual, but it's a little bit. I don't know what the the difference is in my head, but it, it's not as fun for a virtual handout because the the reactions are are different. When someone sees a digital handout, it's just like cool. You know, you download it from the internet, and but when you see like the burnt matte paper or the partial Spanish, and there's like burn marks and you can't read all of it, and I hand that to you, and you're like, oh, this thing still smells like it's been fucking on fire, like, you know, and that's. <laughs> That is a good reaction to the table where you hand someone like, like I have, the, ah, I wish I had it in front of me. I have these little, um, some of the adventures I do will be like, uh, like strange markings on a body. Well, I have this molding clay and I'll push it down and then I'll paint the clay, the color of the person's skin and then do like the slits or draw the runes and then paint the shit red. Like it's blood in there or drop like gemstone shards if there's something to speak and give that out to someone so there's like this real tactile like oh my god this would be the wound that i'm looking at on this corpse and you can take a look at it and examine it real closely and then keep it at the table so yeah to me the handouts on digital are just not as not as rewarding which also sounds real negative it sounds very selfish no no it's fair it's fair it's, it's fair, easier fair. yeah it's, it's easier fair. on digital you know you just take a picture put it up and then there you go fuck off you got it <laughs> But you can't zoom in. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have that level of fidelity. Yeah. Do you guys, by any chance, have any psych-ups that you kind of do before you start if you're GMing? Just drink a shot of absinthe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's only, uh, only before my language test do I yeah. do a shot of absinthe. Got to get right. I, I've heard, actually, uh, it was one of the videos you sent me, Scott, where the guy before everyone comes, roughly an hour before, he does an out. He does a short writing, like stream of mind writing, just to in order to kind yeah. of like get his creativity flowing. Um, yeah, but yeah, I've tried it. it. It seems to work well, but it's kind of hard to tell if it really did much of an effect. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. A game, a game session is so random <laughs> in, in how good or how bad a game session goes. It's so random. It is. It is. Well, and, and to that point, I mean, this session that I had with my kids on Friday was we were playing Coriolis. They were getting ready to do a heist of sorts. And I had no idea. I'm like, this is one thing that I will say. Coriolis, I love for theater of the mind especially since it, it uses zones anyway in your combat. So it's like, you don't have to worry about a whole lot of stuff. It makes things a little bit easier in that regard, but they wanted to do a heist. I'm like, I don't have a layout of this city. I don't have a layout of the facility. Yeah. 
I don't, I'm not interested in trying to find one. Yeah. And so my whole, my whole pregame prep for that and even leading into it was, okay, we're going to see how this goes because I have no clue. And I will try to structure it somewhat like maybe a dramatic task from Savage Worlds, but I know they're going to want a little bit more. So I, I basically, my entire prep for that, literally one hour before the game started, I said, okay, just a reminder, guys, you're wanting to do this heist. Here are the big bullet items that you as characters need to keep in mind. You've got a timeline. You've got this obstacle that you need to overcome. You've got these things that are going to be in play. And the first part of the session was them talking about, okay, how do we overcome these? We're going to break up into teams. We're going to have this distraction and we're going to have uh, like the anointed one off creating this religious fervor in the streets. And we're going to have this person being overwatch and kind of keeping tabs on all the different parties. Cause I mean, they, they literally split the party into three groups uh, to do it. And at the end of the game, they're like, this was a lot of fun. And I had no clue what I was going to do that entire night. I'm just like, okay. Reacting to everything that they said. That's 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 outstanding. Yeah, I learned that lesson with heists and stuff with um oh god damn playing the, the sprawl, which is a powered by the apocalypse cyberpunk game. And yeah, that really teaches you to just kind of do what you did, just fuck it, let it go. And the immortal yeah. words of honor the immortal, just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> is that not her name from Frozen? Is it on I it, I've on, never on, seen it. I've never seen it, so I don't know. Someone will correct me. I don't have little kids, so I don't know. <laughs> Anya? Anyway. Yeah, sorry. I had to run out, run away for a second, but I am back. You're fine. No one knew what you were doing until you told everyone. Well, no, they would see it on video. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> if they watch it. But I'm if they watch it. But, if um, they watch it. Yeah, Maybe. I don't know. I don't have much else to add. Do you guys got anything? Yes, the name of that drive-thru RPG adventure generator that I use is called Random Fantasy Adventure Generator by Adamant Entertainment. Interesting. I'll have to take a look at that just because it's always curious to see something fun that you could use for play around with things. Yeah, Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I guess for me, the big one is inspiration. Like, I will actively. This is now. I really sound demented. I will actively (laughs) avoid counter genres in movies and shit. Like if I'm running a science fiction, I won't watch old West stuff. I will avoid fantasy. I will lock myself into like just kind of narrow scoping things, especially if it's getting closer to a session. I'll, I'll try to do something where it's like, well, I know I sound maniacal now um, because I tend to lose interest rapidly, very rapidly um, in – that's probably oh a, a new shiny. That's a whole lot <laughs> shit to think about, and it's not burnout. It's not burnout at all. Um, I think it's a whole different thing. No, now, I will say though, there are times when you can have complementing genres. So, mm-hmm. for example, Firefly is sci-fi, yeah. but there's such a heavy Western influence. Yeah. To oh yeah, it yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'll even watch sci. I'll watch Firefly if I'm doing sci-fi and/or Deadlands, which I never do Deadlands because it's lame. I said it. <laughs> See, I enjoy Deadlands. I want it's to. hard for me to run it. I want to play Deadlands so bad. Maybe I, play play Deadlands. Maybe I should play Deadlands. 
Yeah, you I'm might like sure it if it's playing it. Like I might, because then it could. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone out there listening wants to run Deadlands, let me know. Nah. I'll play Deadlands. And I won't shit on your Deadlands game because I just want to play Deadlands. I don't want to run Deadlands. <laughs> Maybe no, I'll no. run a Deadlands for we you. We should find someone. We'll, let's get other Scott. Other Scott, you want to run Deadlands? Yeah, and that way <laughs> I can make a character that's an amalgam of... Uh, a 12-foot giant? No, yeah, swear I want to be a 20-foot Bass man. Reeves. <laughs> Swearingen and who? And Bass Reeves. You should look at Bass Reeves. He's a, he's a very interesting historical figure. He's the inspiration for the Lone Ranger. And the guy was fucking baller, balling out Old West. He arrested yeah. his own kid. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One, of those, one of those Old West heroes. Because he wasn't a bad, he, was, he, had a, he had a good story there. Yeah, see, so you're like, ah, cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> they can just say, I'm just, I'm just what my character went to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can imagine that, like, Rooster Cockburn or Cockburn's yeah. uh, GM is like, dude, like, right. what? It's what my character would do. He's a freaking <laughs> sheriff. It's what my character would do, <laughs> damn it. Deadlands <laughs> one of the conventions and just. Every other word is going to be, you know, whore and cocksucker. And be like, it's just playing to the playing to the comic character would do. I get cocksucker. We're definitely not getting monetized on this one with our two fucking our two uh, subscribers. Um, hey, hey, hey! On yeah, YouTube, I, we have hey, a total of I have no idea how many. Whatever, because it doesn't matter. Um, I yeah, I don't think I can't think of anything else that like anything else for prep wise. I'm glad you mentioned the handouts because I do try to do that. But so Foundry, I think Roll20 is the same thing where it's really like, well, yeah, it has the show players. So I'm like, oh, yep. well, this is fucking so easy now. I don't got to do anything. But like for the game, I'm getting ready to – there's a, a game we'll be running. We'll just won't mention it. Um, but I've done like super nerdy shit. Like I went and created uh, cartouches and shit just because I want to say, well, if I read something, I'm like, well, here's what it looks like. Because I still think the visual of like, oh, shit, okay, let's all put the players in the the mindset of what they're doing in, in this yeah. arabesque setting. Well, and the other thing that to keep in mind is handouts can be used for more than just that, like especially on a VTT. I've created handouts of here are commonly forgotten maneuvers that your characters can do. Bro, yes. That's smart. So, yes. Yes. That's actually really yes. smart, especially for Savage. There's a lot of things. Yeah, well, that's why do. I like using Foundry, because you just click your skill, and it gives you the list of, here's all the shit you may have forgotten about. <laughs> are you multi-attacking? Are you doing a desperate attack? Are you wall-attacking? Are you at range? Do you have cover? It was like, oh, you just click these buttons, and thank you. Thank you, computer. Thank you, computer. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, computer. <laughs> that's another game. go kill the commies. Right. Yeah. Hey, hey, they, they switched it to, what, the terrorists in the later editions uh fuck who knows i'm sure i i actually looked it up i was like why did they change it from commies and it was just because they're like it's a new generation the older generation when they hear commies it's like they know what it goes for but a lot of the younger generations they don't really they don't they don't understand what you what you're talking about when you say oh those commies because they don't have that yeah they didn't really listen yeah so they they just upgraded it for the fear of terrorists because of course 
we there was a situation in the early 2000s i have a joke i have a i have a joke at the expense of millennials because we just roll past it we suck don't worry i understand no you don't suck it's just a really it's a really biting fighting it's a biting observation that will roll past it from changing from communists to uh terrorists just roll past it I'm the bigger person. I'm the bigger person. <laughs> of course, that's coming from a guy who's like six foot something. And... There's, there's, my, there's my prep for this question. To be, the better, be the better man. Be the better man. You can do it. You can do it. Okay, and on that note, folks, I think that's all the time we had for today. Wait, trivia, 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 trivia. I was was pushing it forward because Scott was trying so hard to not make a joke that I was like, okay, I'll just. No, we're doing trivia. I I think trivia, people might be enjoying it. We're all learning how much we don't know. I know not, I know nothing. I got in all the episodes I've edited since, I've gotten one question correct. And that's because it was arachnid. Was in the time. Uh, yeah, I know shit and fuck about Forgotten Realms. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, well, we'll start with Rich. Okay, hold on. I don't want to burp in the microphone. We had kebabs and onions. I'm dying. I had um, pie. Oh, nice. Magic and miscellany, history, monsters, dungeons and adventures, characters, or cosmology. Let's do Dungeons and Adventures. Dungeons and Adventures. These cards are real hard to read, man. They're just really hard. In... No, they're just it's the it's the the coloration, the saturation is awful. They should be fired over designed this. In Storm King's Thunder, what creatures control the dripping caves outside the plundered village of Nightstone? Easy. Storm King's Thunder. Yeah. You did say Dungeons and Adventures, right? I did, I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Drunking Thunder, Tripping Caves. So I, I I recognize that name, Storm King's Thunder. Yes, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a the Dripping Caves. Let's go ahead with uh, <laughs> screw it. We'll say Sea Hags. Sea Hags. All right, so it's the purple one. Goblins is the answer. Goblins. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> fight goblins generic. and servers just right. so just the most that generic. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> It's only like one of the oldest ones out there. So, um, okay, okay, Magic and miscellany, history, mm-hmm. monsters, characters, or cosmology? Monsters. Monsters. Which humanoids, often played as characters, are immune to the paralytic touch of ghouls? God! Why do you get the easy ones? <laughs> and why do I not what? know them? Um, okay, let's I see. No, I would have to say probably. Okay, what's the creature again? Sorry, paralytic oh God, Jerry, humanoid so often played as characters. Uh huh. Which humanoids often played as characters are immune to the paralytic touch of ghouls? Drought, bro. Oh, hey, oh no, was it heroes? Are they Just playable back then? Hard. I'm trying to think. Part of me is is drow your final answer. I just <laughs> Rich, you understand where I'm at right now, right? I'm I've never I, I, I understand where you're at. I don't know that I remember the answer, but I, I would yeah. have a guess. Okay, what okay. is drow your I'm final passing. answer? Um, no, don't pass. Just drow your. No, final no, answer. I'm saying it is my final answer, okay. but don't tell me. Let finder pick okay. first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Rich. Um. 
a humanoid often played as characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to drop it into things like dwarf, elf, halfling. It's not those. Uh, let's go with halfling. Okay, it's elves. Which I, I, that was good. That's what he I was going to say drow, first. I was like, oh, technically it's elves. I know. Yeah. Well, see, <laughs> oh, I, I was, was going to say elf because that's you what I thought it was, close. but I'm like, I'm like, dang, that's that's. That, that's that's like too yeah. obvious, but yeah, like, no, no, it's the elves. Uh, elves they've been. I doubted myself. I did. I, I was beginning. gonna say elf. See? Yeah, I was thinking uh, drow it's... too because I was just like thinking back, like they were not always played as playable characters, so it makes sense for them to have an immunity like that when they were an enemy. So turning into an ally could have just been one that kind of like passed on. That was my reasoning behind it. Okay. I mean, no, they have they have much 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 less powerful ability like turn invisible, dancing lights, cast a fucking darkness spell, uh, levitate. Uh, what else could Drow do from the get go in the original first edition? They were stupid powerful as yeah. player characters. It was ludicrous, stupid fucking book. Okay, you guys pick for me. Sorry, the Drizzordan is not a good character. What do you think? Uh, magic and miscellany, history, characters or cosmology. I'm kind of going. I want to pick one that I think he might get, and that's why I kind of want to go with history. Oh, fuck. Okay. History. Oh, it's never the history that we think it is. No, it's, it's not always his, the It's weird. not the history of the game. It's like history of Forgotten Realms. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, weird yeah, that's shit. Right. Okay, you... history. I got to get it just right. What was the nickname for the estate Gary Gygax bought in Clinton, Wisconsin in 1979? I have no idea. I'm going to say that's Black. not the history of freaking D and D. That's history of Gary Guy. History. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say Blackmore just because it'd be funny doing. Something I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm going Gary with um, Grayskull. I could see him Grayskull? doing something. Or do you mean Greyhawk? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I'm saying Grayskull because I have a feeling if he was he wasn't going to he wouldn't name it because he didn't seem like an egocentric person. I don't think he would name it Greyhawk. I think he would name it after He Man with with Grayskull. Let's put a pin in the conversation. A show topic about Gary Gygax and him being yeah. a non-egocentric person. Ah, Christian. <laughs> well, and, and and let's also comment. You said this was in what what year did this seventy nine, which is way before He Man. No, when did it? Wasn't He Man wasn't until the eighties. I thought it was the seventies. He Man came out in the eighties. Oh, then no. in that case, my thing is totally uh, wrong. It is, but okay. Yes, I have no clue. Uh, Dragonlands. His horse stable would be called Dragonlands Arabians. <laughs> be the better person. Let's that just pick is, a topic for I'm me. not. Nope. That is stupid. <laughs> that is stupid. Why? Why would you name it up? That is the dumbest name on the planet. There's a lot wrong with what I just read. Uh, <laughs> a, a lot wrong. We're just going to move past it for right now. I got to move past it. Rich, magic and miscellany. Characters and cause or cosmology, magic and miscellany, magic and miscellany. Uh, a god damn it, a mace of disruption deals extra radiant damage to which two types of creatures? Uh, radiant damage would be the um, undead mm-hmm. and whatever the demons are considered. <laughs> I don't know. Infer- infernal? Right? <laughs> we'll say demonic. Yeah, infernal could be infernal. Could right. be the word. I think we'll have... Christian? Yeah. You agree with him? Okay. I yeah. I will say we're okay. It's undead and fiends, which technically 
the fiends are the new way of saying the, the nonsense. <laughs> okay, so let's see, Christian. That leaves characters or cosmology for you. Cosmology, because I definitely Cosm- can never get a character. But dude, the characters are all the D and D cartoons, so I know, and I don't know yeah. any of those. Yeah, it's the weird. Just say uni. Right, well, eventually it has to run out because there's like 380 cards, so you can't ask me any <laughs> questions about the dumb fucking cards. So my, my my heart, we run out soon. Cosmology, oh, the cosmology is always about Faerun. Uh, which deity of Faerun, sometimes called <laughs> Lady Firehair, fuck, I hate you so much, is venerated <laughs> by aesthetics and uh, hedonists? God damn it! You know what a shocker. <laughs> Dionysia. It's not a real favorite. <laughs> no, I have no idea. I have no idea. No I, idea. I couldn't give. I could not give you a title. I could not give you anything. S- Sune, which might be a mispronunciation, but it's S U N E. I always thought it was Sune, but I haven't seen the books in a while. Anyway, I just Sune was the later. Uh. Yeah, Sune. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would totally but... be. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I, I'm I'm picking up where you're going with this. Okay, characters. God damn it, Rich, you cursed us. In the Dungeons and Dragons animated series, 1983 to 1985, who is the main antagonist who wears a one horn, <laughs> a one horn red cow, and is a master of disguise? I'm trying to remember that dude's name. It's like, oh, I, I know who he is. No, I see him. are you serious? He's like, he's in the opening credits. Yes, yeah. he's on his fucking nightmare with his winged nightmare. Yeah. He spells and then Tiamat comes. And yeah. Yeah. Christian, Christian's just like, I don't know who the fuck that is. All right, you ready? I am Venger. Oh, what a shocker. They were so creative with their naming. (laughs) Honestly, the whole D and D thing, like it's interesting hearing this shit. But I'm just like, who would remember ninety nine point nine percent of this? Like, is there really, like, I I've heard of like what is it, the Tolkien scholars? Is there is there Wizards of the Coast? Like, oh yeah, yeah, Appleseed, yeah, Watsey scholars. Yeah, Appleseed. He wrote a four volume. Yeah, four volume series on the history of role playing games, but that dude can quote like uh, TSR information, like it was you know. That's impressive. His kids' birth certificates and shit. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I know a little bit of it, but when I get bogged down in some of the weird stuff, like I don't give a shit about Forgotten Realms. I think it's a boring, boring yeah. setting. I just <laughs> even I said forces. <laughs> What I said a few episodes ago was I didn't even know there was yeah. an official setting for D and D because I've only ever heard people doing like um, well their own. But there's not so in D and D in A D and D in seventies there was none. It was a generic fantasy role playing system. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until later on that they introduced Greyhawk. In fact, Greyhawk came after several of the adventure modules. Even yeah, it's a really weird timeline of how they had like the, the the campaign settings because you had like Greyhawk and Blackmore for basic and then the known world right for uh uh Menser's red and yeah. blue box uh which then became Mistara and yeah then AD&D came out and it was 
generic, but the Greyhawk box set came out. Then the Forgotten Realms box set came out. And then Dragonlance Hardback came out. And then I'm trying to think of what else. I'm missing some stuff. But yeah, it's not. There's still not really a default, I guess. But I still think Faerun is a default 5e because the very first source book was for Sword Coast Legends. And they have to tell you, if you're using this character in other lands, here's what the other lands are. And they'll name Forgotten Realms, but they still... <laughs> they still, you know, go down the list. And I don't know. Because I don't think it's, it could be Greyhawk. I don't know. I don't think so. I have to look at the books again. We could be wrong. Jared will tell us. <laughs> Jared, please tell no, us. No, that's his bread and butter, right? Yeah. yeah no, it yeah, is. It is. You can clarify it. Yeah, it's a good clarification. Uh, but I read, I read from my Faerunian perspective on all the 5e books, unless it's specifically something else. I kind of like how we're getting our own little version of experts in our Discord who's just like, we but know this handy, person knows right? this. Oh, it's super. Yeah. Handy. Yeah. You know what? You know what setting it won't be? What? You ready to hit the goodbye button? It won't be dark, son, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> <laughs> all right and on that note folks i hope you guys enjoyed this episode we've i've had a lot of fun and i hope you guys have too uh if you like this episode like subscribe do all that kind of jazz i don't know it's maybe i should do this at the beginning when people are still listening instead of when we started joining so on that note see you later folks we'll see you next week bye <laughs>